from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing January the 7th, 2018. Hi, this is Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3GR. Hello listeners and hello Robert, how are you sir? I'm well, thank you and welcome to... 2018. Hey, it yeah, I forgot about that. It's uh, It's been a, a tough couple of days, actually, with work and stuff, uh, Rob. I've uh, completely forgot that um, this is the first time everyone's hearing us in the new year. Happy happy new year to you and happy new year to everyone out there. Thank you very much. Yeah, we did the broadcast the very last day of last year and now the seventh day of this year. There you go. Funny how those things happen. Yeah, what have you been doing over uh, the break? Ah, I cooked a huge turkey on the barbecue at home. Did you? I did. Yep. Uh, went to a pretty awesome um, community hall kind of uh, New Year's Eve thing with the band and the live and the, the DJ and the kids running around outside and all that sort of stuff, like, you know, the old way of doing New Year's with family and all that stuff. That was yep. pretty cool. You? Well, I actually had a quiet one here at home. I yeah. had lots of gear out on uh, different jobs for New Year's Eve, but uh, wasn't didn't have to be at any of those events myself. I think I spent most of the time cleaning up the shack. It's nice and tidy for a change. We'll have to go check it out later. We will. Straight into the news, I suppose. Straight into the news, and we start with Peter, VK8 Zulu Zulu. Hi, I'm Peter, VK8ZZ, a member of the board of the WIA. The WIA recently announced the commencement of the WIA Associates Program. The Associates Program is free of charge and is open to amateurs and non-amateurs as well as shortwave listeners and overseas residents. It is specifically open to both licensed and non-licensed people who have an interest in wireless and electronics technology experimentation and who wish to become an associate of the National Body for Amateur Radio in Australia. The Associate Program is a category that lacks the benefits of membership. Members have a right to have their say and to attend general meetings and at the AGM. Associates do not have access to Memnet, Amateur Radio Magazine, nor the QSL Bureau, etc. Whilst associates are not granted access to the AGM, they will be granted access to the non-formal AGM activities on the day. As David VK4MZ explained in his broadcast on the 17th of December, the associate program will provide the backbone for sharing our hobby with the emergent group, such as the maker movement. The program will also assist with the first steps into the hobby and cater for those who haven't yet been through an exam. The associate program is now up and running. So if you're interested, sign up at the URL in the text version of this broadcast. Once you sign up, you will receive periodic email information about Amateur Radio, the Wireless Institute of Australia, study for licences and licensing procedures, and access to various forms which are still being established. The WIA Associate website will be developed to become a pointer to forums for electronic and technology information more relevant to specific individuals' interests and requirements. Associates will also receive periodic electronic bulletins to update them on the work of the WIA in its negotiations with the Australian Communications and Media Authority, as well as on the international scene leading up to the World Radio Conference later this year. The World Radio Conference, or WRC, is the international forum that makes decisions for band planning for the entire radio spectrum worldwide. The WIA and the ACMA have representation on the WRC. 
The WIA also represents all Australian amateurs, not just WIA members, on the International Amateur Radio Union, the peak organisation for amateur radio worldwide. Indeed, a WIA member chairs some of the IIRU committees. Existing WIA members can also sign up for the associate program and get direct emails and bulletins. The board are also keen to hear what additional aspects might be considered for inclusion in the associate program. Thank you for your time. I look forward to speaking with you again throughout the year. This is Peter, VK8ZZ. I wish all a happy and prosperous new year from all of us on the WIA board. Wow, new website, sensational. Good news from the uh, from the uh, WIA board and looking forward to registering myself, actually. Jump online and... Head there now, do it. Head there now, do it. Fill out your name and address. It's going to email you a link for your registration and off you go. Okay, as we move into the news and ACMA five-year spectrum outlook, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, the ACMA, in its forward planning, has a five-year outlook mapping out the spectrum priorities. It gives all stakeholders, including the Wireless Institute of Australia, an opportunity to input into the ACMA Spectrum Management Work Program. The WIA consulted with the entire amateur radio community in five consultations in 2017. The WIA Spectrum Committee is assisted greatly by the survey results to produce an evidence-based view that represents the amateur radio community in Australia. In summary, the WIA's input to the ACMA five-year outlook will include seeking harmonisation and extension of 1.8 to 2.0 MHz and the 3.8 to 4 MHz bands, new secondary allocation at 5.3 MHz that's already in many countries, primary allocation in the 50 to 52 MHz band following the digitisation of television, Secondary allocation in the 70 MHz band, allocation at 803 to 804 MHz for lipid class licence for STEM educational programs, and seeking retention of amateur access to 3.575 to 3.6 GHz outside the specific geographic areas where future licence services are deployed. On next week's VK1 WIA broadcast, we'll recap on the WIA Licence Conditions Determination Submission following its three consultation surveys in June 2017. The WIA will submit both the ACMA five-year outlook and the LCD submission soon. New LCD, Rob? Yes. Coming? Coming. Working on it. Now, that was looking forward, but looking kind of backwards, end of the telegram service, and after 171 years, the commercial telegram service in Belgium has ended. It was operated by the state-owned telecommunications company with the last telegram sent on December 29th. A lot of seasonal greeting traffic was generated to take advantage of this nostalgic occasion. Earlier it was announced that India farewelled its telegram service in 2013. After 162 years of service, Belgium had still offered the service while around the world it had already been replaced. Australia ended its publicly provided telegraphy service in 1993. Firstly, the dial-up telex service made big inroads, then came fax and email. The telegraph used to carry Morse code across nations and linked countries via submarine cables, and was much faster than mail. The telegram has long been overtaken by modern, faster technology, which gives the ability to get an almost instant reply, let alone cheap smartphones and computers that have both voice and visual communication now. End of an era. End of an era, indeed. And there's uh, plenty of old telex machines around. What can we do with them, Rob? Are we set them up on yeah, we put them on one them. side of the room and you know, right. send a message to the other side of the room and get amazed? Cool stuff. Okay, now on to the next story, Brian. Battery-powered smart bags raise safety concerns. I haven't seen a smart bag yet. Have you? Yes. 
People ride them through the airport, Rob. They sit on their luggage and take them between terminals. So anyway. it's a motorised luggage bag. Okay, let's yeah. find out. Little more. little scooter to scoot from, uh, you know, between flights, international lounges and all the rest of it. Uh, remember the hazards caused by hoverboards, dodgy charges and exploding mobile phones all associated with lithium batteries and fires. Well, now a new type of traveller's luggage known as a smart bag. These are starting to get the attention for their built-in lithium batteries. These small but high-capacity batteries are a power source for charging external devices or to provide power to the wheels on the bag. Passengers trying to check them in as carry-on bags are warned by two Asian airlines that if they're fitted with non-removable lithium-ion batteries, they will be banned from the flights. Imagine seeing one fall off the uh, trucks going to to load up and it just starts wheeling itself down runway 5 on the way out to the river. You can understand why. (laughs) Okay, Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race, amateurs on the receiving end. This year, several amateurs continued the tradition that has been on for a few years now in being receiving stations for the Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race. VK7's ZCR, EV and VKT participated, which involved having several pieces of software running on a PC connected to the radio to stream the received signals, saving the received signals in five-minute blocks and uploading them to shared cloud storage. The saved audio files are then all hand-checked by the editor, based in Queensland, file by file to detect if any radio traffic that might be newsworthy. This is then passed on to the Starling News website, who appreciate our efforts. A great deal of time and effort is put into the tuning of the systems before Christmas, where audio levels for each receiving station is tweaked to get close as possible a flat line happening on the radio spectrum during the times with no speech and obviously peaks during speech. This is so the editor can drop each file into Audacity editing software and easily see any activity on the saved file as it's uploaded. The primary frequency used for this year was 4483 kHz with Clayton, VK7ZCR also being a receiving station for VHF channel 81. And it's noteworthy that radio relay vessel JBW had difficulties receiving yachts on HF as they neared the east coast of Tasmania while the amateurs had little trouble in receiving. The same applied to race control when they too had difficulties receiving signals that were very clear to our stations. At 5 past midnight, 7.35am, 12.05pm and at 5.35pm we ensured that our systems were shipshape for the positions report where pertinent information was also passed regarding any damage to vessels. In this world of modern whiz-bang digital doohars, a great deal of emphasis is placed on HF comms where if a competitor does not have sufficiently good HF comms at a location called Green Cape, they do not get authority to cross Bass Strait as a competitor must drop out of the race. All this was done purely on a voluntary basis, however a lot was gained, as was in previous years extending the hobby to outside its normal limits and achieved the best received signals possible using the full array of digital signal processing and onboard noise reduction that our various radios had to offer. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. There you go, amateur radio to the rescue. I'm surprised, Rob. This could be, and I'm sure this isn't the first time that's happened. No, it's not. Well, it says it's been, they've been doing this for a number of years now. Yeah. Oh, well, no, amateur radio to the rescue. Mm. Uh, mate, I don't know. How about a, a quick rewind in the middle of the news instead of right at the end? But first time I met you was in uh, 05 after the, uh, was it 06, after the um, tsunami? 
mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after the Christmas tsunami, and I've walked in, and the first AR magazine I had was on the front cover of that before, as I was studying for my uh, standard back then. Talking about, you know, yep. radio uh, coming to the rescue, just uh, occurred to me now that maybe I should tell all the listeners that story. Okay, you've got some international news. I do, international news, and a quick one. Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation funding problems. The Solomon Islands station has been cut off from the grid by Solomon Power due to an $8,000 unpaid electricity bill. The poor financial situation was the direct result of a critical cash flow problem with the government that mostly funds the Solomon Islands broadcaster. It operates on 103.5 kHz in the AM band and on shortwave at 5020 kHz. The station's now running solely on generators and has stopped its AM services in favour of shortwave that covers the whole country, including outlying islands. And another story from the IARU with a membership. The uh, application has been received from the St. Kitts Nevis Angular Amateur Radio Society to represent radio amateurs of the Federation of St. Christopher, St. Kitts and Nevis. It does not claim to represent the radio amateurs of Angular, although for historical reasons it's included in its name. Angula was already represented in the IARU by the Angula Amateur Radio Society, and it has no objection to the admission of the St. Kitts Nevis Angula Amateur Radio Society. It began in 1973 and has 32 licensed members out of a total amateur population of 50. That's actually a good percentage there, Rob. Mm-hmm. The St. Kitts Nevis Angula Amateur Radio Society admission will be put up to a vote of the 167 IARU member societies, including the WIA of Australia. Go Google St. Kitts Anguillus. Amateur Radio Society. Yeah, and I'm sure somebody put that in there seven times for me to pronounce uh, poorly in this story. Thank you. That's right. Very good. Okay, Ham Radio, operational news. And remember, Brian, it's a contact sport. All major Australian contest rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. In 2018, Brian, the VHF, UHF, WIA field day contest date for summer is the 13th and 14th of January, just a week away. Just a week away. And the John Moyle Memorial Field Day will be held over the weekend of the 17th and 18th of March this year and will run from UTC 0100 on the Saturday until 0059 on the Sunday. The Harry Angel Memorial Sprint, Saturday, May the 5th, 1000 UTC to 1146 UTC. Now, the Winter VHF UHF Field Day Contest, 23rd, 24th of June. The VK Shires Contest is always held in the June long weekend, which is the weekend prior to the second Monday of June each year. So make a note, June 9th and 10th, they're the important dates. Starts at 0600 hours UTC on Saturday the 9th and ends at 0600 UTC on Sunday the 10th. IARU HF Championship event on 15 and 16 of July. The Trans-Tasman Low Band Contest. This contest is held on the Saturday night of the third full weekend in July and making it July the 21st. Start time is 0800 hours UTC and finishing at 1400 hours UTC. And the big one this year, the RD Contest, the WIA Remembrance Day on 11 and 12 of August. The 21st International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, the very popular event this year, is on August the 18th and 19th, 2018. So no clash with the RD. Good go. And to the Oceania Contest, the phone on the first full week in October 6th and 7th, and the CW on the second full weekend of October, that's the 13th and 14th, both running from 0800 Saturday to 0800 UTC Sunday. The VHF WIA Field Day Contest dates for Spring 2018, that's spring 24th and 25th of november and we've got more vhf uhf field days for summer winter and spring 2019 2020 and 2021 
in uh, January, June and November. That's in the text edition if you want to put those into your diaries. Now in the world of DX, let's get there. Be listening for lots of signals coming from Vietnam and Dirk DF2XG is active as 3W9XG from Haiphong where he is working as a project manager for an industrial venture. Listen for him on 40 metres through 10. He'll be running 20 watts and operating CW. For QSL information, head over to his page on qrz.com. And also in Vietnam is John, KB4FB. He'll begin operating as 3W9FB from Da Nang sometime in early January. He'll then move on to Laos and operate as XW4FB before returning to Vietnam in February. And he'll be on a number of HF bands throughout that time. Send QSLs via Logbook of the World. QSOs will be uploaded to Logbook of the World in March 2018. Those two blokes are going to get sick of hearing each other, I think, Rob. And now to Gambia, Brzezemsla, SP3PS will be active as C5 slash SP3PS between the 30th of December and the 12th of January. And you can listen for him on 40, 20 and 10. Send QSLs via his home call sign. EI-50AOM remembers the Tuscar Rock Air Tragedy. 50 years after the crash of Air Lingus Viscount Airliner in the Irish Sea, still the largest single loss of life in the Irish civil aviation history, Special Event Station EI-50AOM remembers this tragic event and honours the 61 lives lost. Many people on the ground on their way home from church witnessed several spiral dives and the pilot tried desperately to keep control of the stricken aircraft. 42 minutes after takeoff, EIAOM crashed into the sea near Tusca Rock Lighthouse. All 61 crew and passengers from Ireland, Britain, Switzerland, Belgium, Sweden, and the United States and the Netherlands lost their lives that day. Rumours of an errant missile strike and cover ups by the Irish and British governments abounded. The first inquiry in 1971 answered a few questions, but a second inquiry in 2002 found that the Viscount had lost part of its tail through fatigue or maybe a bird strike which led to progressively uncontrollable situation that ended in a dive into the sea. Special event station EI-50AOM, 50 years after the crash of EI-AOM, has been licensed to operate January through March 2018 to remember this tragic event. The station will devote one day, beginning 22nd of January, to remember each of the four crew and 57 passengers who died. With operations culminating on the 50th anniversary of the crash, 24th of March 2018. Thanks to the IRTS and Southgate for that new story. One day per passenger and crew. That's really that, cool. That is really cool. That's like a that. good way to do it, yeah. In true to watch, the enforcement zone had odd signals on two metres. If you live in Canberra's Western Creek area, have you heard what appears to be Chinese language with music on these following frequencies? 144 decimal 415, 144 decimal 475, and 144 decimal 565 megahertz on narrow and wideband FM. Now, the program was slightly distorted. Such signals may occur for a variety of reasons. So the committee at CRARC would like to know if other amateurs in the region have heard them. You can contact them on committee at crarc.ampr.org. Funny about that. We had a very similar thing happen here in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Mm. Yes, and it turned out to be um, cordless headphones. Cordless headphones. Welcome to this week's edition of WIA Worldwide Special Interest Group News. I'm Col, VK3LED. And first up... The IARU watches wireless power transfer developments. Widespread interest continues in wireless power transfer, WPT, technology, reflecting the considerable concern about its potential to cause radio frequency interference. 
Studies continue ahead of the World Radio Communications Conference in 2019 with its agenda item, Wireless Power Transmission for Electric Vehicles. WPT applications are expanding to mobile and portable devices, home appliances and office equipment. The automotive industry is looking to it for electric vehicle applications in the near future. Power levels range from milliwatts to hundreds of kilowatts and typical transmission ranges are up around 30 centimetres. But news from India is that scientists using a nano-generator can harvest mechanical energy, such as people walking on a footpath, and convert it into electrical energy. The electricity is transferred wirelessly over a distance of 3 metres to a storage device like a battery. Radio users are concerned that while the intended distance can be small, it's inevitable that some energy will be coupled into other conductors acting as unintended antennas. This may cause harmful interference to incumbent services through the radiation of harmonics. WPT is recognised as having potential advantages, but must develop in such a way that prevents harmful interference to incumbent services in the frequency band or bands to be considered. Protection of incumbent in-band radio communication services, as well as adjacent and harmonically related bands from spurious and out-of-band emissions, must also be ensured. The latest proposal for the space graveyard. What to do with dozens of dead satellites in space is a puzzle. Some want to harvest them. Others say they should be left alone as part of our history. Now the US Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency hopes to use robots that could turn the graveyard into a workshop. It wants to build a fleet of robots to inspect, refuel and repair satellites, keeping them operational well beyond their expected lifetimes. The proposal makes sense because satellites can cost millions of dollars, but unlike anything else, are not inspected, serviced and repaired. The graveyard or a remote parking orbit has spacecraft at the end of their lives, either in need of repair or fuel. Well, I guess now's the perfect opportunity for the classic line, watch this space. That's all for this week's WIA Worldwide Special Interest Group News. I'm Col, VK3LED. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Thanks, Cole, and news of Aris in Morocco. And thanks to Tony, VK5ZAI, for this news story. News comes to us of a stellar contact with the National School for Computer Science in Rabat, Morocco, also known by its French language acronym NCS. The contact with astronaut Mark van der Heij, KG5GNP, was facilitated by our own Tony VK5ZAI and garnered some exceptional news coverage across North Africa and the Middle East. With Moroccan Minister of Higher Education and the Royal Moroccan Amateur Radio Association in attendance, the 350 seated in the audience were joined by the three Moroccan national television stations and more TV and print journalists from across the region including the BBC Arabic and the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. The Q&A with Andy High was simultaneously translated into Arabic and broadcast live. This solid contact with the ISS allowed time for 16 superb questions and enough time to send a rousing round of applause up to Mark before LOS occurred. This is Maimuna. Apart from exploring it, what could humanity possibly win from getting to space? Over. Anytime we do something that's challenging, that's beyond our current capability, there are lots of benefits 
uh, things we learn that spin off in other directions. And I think um, expanding our capabilities into space is much better than uh, gaining technologies because of something like warfare. Rewind a look back at our history locating significant Australian amateur radio equipment. The WIA Historical Archives Committee has received inquiries over the past few years about the availability of historical radio equipment for viewing and for photography. Some important collections are held by individuals, clubs and of course public museums around Australia. The number of inquiries has encouraged preparation of a rudimentary database of known significant collections. WIA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, says initially sought is information about publicly accessible collections. They don't have to be major public collections such as at the Sydney Powerhouse Museum or the Melbourne Science Works Museum. However, most of the collections are not on public exhibition and are often difficult to access. Max Howden's 1924-25 record-breaking shortwave receivers and Gil Miles' early television experiments from the 1920s are occasionally displayed at the Melbourne Science Museum. The Australian War Memorial in Canberra permanently displays Winnie the War winner, the famous transmitter used to raise help by the isolated army personnel, community or private museums such as Eno Tool VK2ZIO's Currajong Radio Museum just out of Sydney, or the Mareeba Heritage Centre in Queensland are just two very good examples of museums with readily accessible significant items. The Currajong Radio Museum has extensive wireless radio and broadcasting collections including some World War I Australian Navy equipment made at what was Shaw's Sydney Wireless Works. Pre-World War I amateur equipment has been seen at Mareeba Heritage Centre. There is the complete 1913-14 homemade station of XQA Marcus Brims, minus the interconnecting wires, battery and aerial. This station was closed down in 1914 under wartime requirements and the equipment was boxed up as instructed. This station was not reassembled till after the war and is now all on display in a glazed cabinet in the museum building. This is a world-class amateur radio collection made by an Australian amateur who resided in the district. The WIA's National Amateur Equipment Register welcomes input to the WIA archives via the WIA office. And thanks to Jim Linton, VK3PC, for that story. OK, and now to the social scene for 2018. We start with February the 18th in VK3, the Wandar Camfest, the Italian sports club in Werribee. Feb 25th, the VK2 Wyong Field Day. And to tell us all about it, here's Ed Durant. Is it in your diary? Have you got your travel and accommodation plans in place? It's not long now, you know. What, you ask? Well, the 60th CCARC Field Day at Wyong, on Sunday the 25th of February, of course. Come and help the Central Coast ARC celebrate their 60th anniversary of the Field Day and the club. With car boot sales now in the undercover concourse area, with the air-conditioned traders area, plenty of parking space and a free shuttle bus running from Wyong Railway Station to the field day site. The 60th field day promises to be the best yet. Remember, as always, it's on, come rain or shine. The bar and bistro will be open on the first floor of the race buildings, where the lectures will be held. Come to have a coffee or a beer with your mates, including those you have talked to or emailed but never made that face-to-face contact with. Take advantage of the free tea and coffee, and be sure not to miss the annual prize raffle. Local scout groups have been encouraged to come and take a look at our cool, technical hobby, and see how it can fit in with scouting activities. 
Training on Saturday for the foundation licence will be available in the club rooms at Carryong, and assessments for VK and US licences will take place on Sunday at the field day. Please book immediately if you are interested in these to stand a chance of getting in. Here's some lecture programme additions. Karen, VK2AKB, will be running a lecture on the hot new digital mode, FT8, and its operation on the HF bands. Col, VK2ZCO, will be giving a lecture on what can you do with that old microwave oven. Col has stripped out the transformer and made some modifications to make a spot welder. He used it to make turnstile antennas for 2m and 70cm satellite bands. Check the fieldday.org.au website for all details about the upcoming Wyong Field Day 2018. See you at Wyong 2018. For the Central Coast ARC, this is Ed Durant, DD5LP. Now March 25th, don't forget, the VK3 EMDRC Hamfairs Great Ryrie Primary School, Heathmont. In May the 4th to the 7th, it's the VK4 Clearview Gathering between Rockhampton and Mackay. July 7, Gips Tech 2018, for all of you VHF, UHF and microwave enthusiasts. And on November the 11th, in VK5, the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Ham Fest. Well, Brian, we've just about come to the end of this week's news. Yes, but a very important thing before we go, Rob, we've got to say, now, like uh, we heard on the national broadcast a few weeks ago on Christmas Eve, Graham Baker Baker's taking a bit of a break from his uh, role in the national broadcast team, and the rest of the team, uh, we kind of need a little bit of help particularly with uh, the editor role. Yeah, this role involves sourcing and editing and scripting the news material that you hear us, the presenters and anchors reading each week. So if you're interested in helping out, we suggest you take a look at the broadcast terms of reference and the role descriptions that will be shortly on the WIA website. And you can email us here at nationalnews at wia.org.au and we'll be in contact. Well, that's it for this week's news, and uh, I'll see you next week. And as we always say, Brian, we've reported, you decide. We've reported, you decide.